self-confidence starts with self-acceptance. Mm. And I was like, yes, that is literally it. So many times people just, they just want to wish away how they are. It circles back to what we were talking about earlier with the shame and like shaming our former yes. selves. And they just want to like wish it away. And like, I just wish I wasn't so sensitive. I just wish I wasn't like this. Instead of being like, well, listen, this is what we got here. Let's move forward from this. Because typically, usually the answer to thriving is more of that. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mom Strength. This is Sodabi Veach, and I am really, really pumped today to have on um, one of my favorite people. And basically, the reason I even have this podcast or have done a lot of the things that I've done this past year, uh, and that is Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, um, to most people who may be listening to this. Um, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about her. So. I first met her virtually. Well, I followed her, creeped her posts. I lurked. I didn't like anything because I'm like, mm, I'm not one of those people. Um, I barely use Instagram. And then, of course, you know, COVID hit. I was home all the time. I was pregnant with my second child and I needed connection. And that's what I immediately saw in Shante is just the way she pulled people in and built this connection, even though it's online. And from the first time I hopped on an IG live, on her IG live, I watched her speak. I was like, I, I love this person. Like I, I need more of, the, more of her in my life. And then she opened up her mafia membership, which is her monthly membership, which I immediately joined, um, made the last minute decision as usual. Um, but that's how I work. And then I enrolled in her Instagram intensive, which I highly recommend. And you know, here we are. Here we are today. It's January 2022, um, January 11th. And I'm so honored to have you on here, Shante. Dude, I am stoked to be on here. You know, we were chatting before we started recording and it was, was really cool to see your face pop up. And I'm like, dude, you have a podcast. It has been... <laughs> It has really been incredible to watch you grow. Like, I don't have kids. Right? I got Rupert, but that's a cat. For those of you who don't know, that's my cat. But to get to be able to watch someone, to be privy to watching someone grow and do things, I know that I'm certain that everyone listening to this podcast knows that feeling. And it is just incredible. Like, I really have watched you. You're not a different person, but you're doing different things and doing more you. And it's been... Awesome. I remember 
being you, no, you being on those lives that I used to do, because right? I, I can remember people's uh, Instagram handles. Like obviously, I can't yeah. see their faces, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's interaction and people asking questions. And a side note: this is why you should do some of those. Okay, friend, do some IG lives. Okay, write that down. <laughs> you got I'm writing that down right now because I was like, you know, I haven't done one of those in exactly. a long, long time. <laughs> Build that connection and share yourself. You know, it has really just been awesome to watch you step into your own and, you know, put out a reel where you're like dancing and talking about poop. And I was like, there she is. <laughs> there she is. And then watch you feel comfortable and confident enough to ask us to pronounce your name correctly. That was huge. So just thank you for giving me the opportunity to to witness all of this and, and be a part of it. It's been awesome. And honestly, that was one of the defining moments of 2021, I would say, is, you know, I, for the longest time, have let people call me the wrong name, the wrong pronunciation, because I didn't want to attract attention to myself, yeah. again, as the outsider or as, as someone different. And when I had my daughter three and a half years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is Nisha going to say if like, these people are calling me Sudobi <laughs> and these people are calling me something else? Like, how can I explain that to my child? Like, I, yeah. I can't do this anymore. So I started, you know, just started asking people to say my name properly. But for people who already said it the old way, I didn't because it was yeah. kind of awkward and I'm like, oh, how do I go about doing this? And I feel like part of what makes you amazing is you – I don't even know how you do, do this, first of all. But you somehow give people the space or the time or the confidence, I guess. It's like confidence by osmosis. <laughs> I love that. Um, to just be who they are and to like grow to their potential. I love that. I and am you know so what? Grateful to hear that. For people who are listening to this who don't know Shante, Shante is not a mom, but I mm -hmm. feel like a lot of the skills that Shante has are the same skills that we need as moms, as leaders of our families, our leaders as our, of our communities. And I feel like I've learned so much in this past year and a half through my online business, through working with Shante, that has also helped me as a mom. That's amazing. Dude, I love that you said that leaders of the family. Like if any of you listening to this know my shtick and things I talk about on Instagram and stuff, I think moms are superheroes. Actually, my mom was on this podcast and I was like, what? Like that was freaking <laughs> awesome. I I Truly, I attribute so much of my confidence to my mom and how she raised me. And I have always, because of that, I have just always had this soft spot for mom and I, moms. And I truly believe that they are superheroes. So, part of things is when I see, you know, I work with moms or I see them on social media and I, I feel their hesitation with things. And I'm just like, but why? Y'all are superheroes. Like, you know, you were talking about giving people that, you know, confidence. And I think it's called lending confidence or people can borrow confidence. So, you know, I have a, a mentor, Allison Evans, who is a mom of three. And when I first started at Rock Tape, she was really, she is the, or was the mom of Rock Tape. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was definitely my success there was so much attributable to the confidence that she lent me. And that was simply just knowing she was in my corner. 
she didn't teach me how to teach. Like she saw something in me, brought me in as an instructor. And then I just knew she was in my corner. And that was literally all that I needed. I could borrow her confidence. I could borrow the, from the confidence that she had in me. So, if, you know, we're thinking about this, this concept of borrowed confidence. To me, moms have this, they're in a position or I'd love for them to realize that I think they're in a position where they can borrow confidence from other areas of their life, right? So yeah, you can borrow it from someone else believing in you, but you're a mom. You are literally the glue of this family, the leader. Of, I don't care what society says. Mm-hmm. I don't care. You are the leader of this family. And so when I see moms and they're starting their businesses and are doing things online or stepping into some other area, I'm like, dude, I please borrow, you know, screw society and all the the things that it tries to tell you. You are truly incredible. Can you borrow confidence from the, from the fact that you are keeping these humans or human <laughs> alive? One, you birthed this thing. You grew this thing. You're, you know, sheltering this thing. Can you borrow confidence from that area and then bring it into the areas of your life? I've seen you do it. I saw the switch happen. And now I can feel it in your in your in your content and how you show up because you're just like, yeah, I can I can do this and it's amazing to watch. It's amazing, and and I think that's it. Is like for I think everyone in their lives has different moments that kind of forces them to just like grow, yeah. just grow up, right? And for me, I had so many things happen in my life that I wasn't ready to process. And then motherhood happened and it just like slapped me across the face. And we're like, I don't care if you're not ready. You're either doing it or you're like, you know, ending in this downward spiral. And I did a bit of both. I'll be honest. That's fair. fair. Yeah. Um, But I feel like it just forced me to like heal from some of those other issues, seek help, like be a grown up, ask for help, like be more courageous. And when I started my online business, like, yes, there's always a little fear and hesitation totally, and insecurity, yeah, yeah. but I feel like I borrowed a lot of that confidence from that transition in my life. Heck yeah. And so, like, now I know no matter what, I'll figure it out. That's I'm not it. worried. That's I'm just it right like, there. not worried. Yeah. That is it right there. Like, I love that you said that, you know, you spiraled a little bit. I want to add on to that, but you survived. Like, yeah, things are going to be super hard at times and, like… I can't even imagine you, you have a life that you're taking care of. Like there is no other option. You're like, I got to, I got to still figure this out. Cause like this person, this human needs to stay alive. So I may be sad, tired. I may have, you know, what, what mucus on my shirt, but <laughs> I, mucus. Hey, my daughter <laughs> pooped in my hand. We're trying to take newborn photos and you know, there's those cute little bare bum photos. She pooped in my hand and it was, it was a loose poop. It was not a solid poop. And I'm like, this is how, is this my life right now? Yeah, People are shitting is. on me. Yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> literally. But you're so right. Like, it is not something that I ever, I feel like when we are in the go, go, mo- go, go, go mode too, we don't pause to totally. reflect on our growth yeah. or pause to see like, wow, all of that spiraling needed to happen so yeah. that I could get here. And like other people, this is one thing that I wanted to talk about too is like, People always say like, oh, learn from what I did wrong. Like, you know, but you can't learn from, you can a little bit, but like you can't really learn from other people's mistakes. Nope. Like you have to make those mistakes yourself. Totally. You have to internalize it. The nervous, I, you know, my background is 
also as a, as a physical therapist. And I love that that's my foundation for things because I know I'm very science oriented and as such, I take everything back to the nervous system. Right? At the end of the day, when it, the difference between being dead and alive, you can like, talk about the spirit and things like that, but it's energy, right? And your nervous system. We can't internalize someone else's mistakes because our nervous system hasn't experienced it, right? So we have that one form of information we're receiving, which is like the storytelling or that we're seeing it visually, we're hearing about it, what happened to somebody else. But your nervous system never knows it's safe to fall until you fall and get back up. It's just, it doesn't work that way. As much as I would love for it to work that way, it doesn't. And it's probably like better that that doesn't happen because you falling and me falling are two different things. Even just from a very physical, physiological nature. Like I kind of think I'm made of glass. Like I don't really want to <laughs> fall. Like I'm like pretty sure something's going to break off, right? If I fall down. Whereas other people, they're far more physically robust. So if they fall, like they can actually fall. They can actually jump higher and then fall down because they will be okay. Whereas if I did the exact same thing, I'd be like Mr. Glass shatter into a million pieces. <laughs> like it's this, this is my this is my cross to bear, right? But that's why we have to experience it. Right? The nervous system, like we are not born to run. I love the book, but it's a misnomer. We're not born to run. You just go outside, right, and watch people run. We're not born to run. Those people should probably be, be walking, right? We're like, ah, that doesn't look so efficient. <laughs> and we're not that fast. Like, like no, we, you know, that's like, it. We're not cheetahs. We're not cheetahs. We're like. <laughs> Exactly. Caribou are also really fast. I learned that this year. They're um, not born to run, but we are born yeah. to survive. That's it. Mm. Our nervous system has to go through these things. That's all we're looking to do. We're not looking to thrive, right? I would love to say born to thrive, but that's a lie because mm-hmm. it may not be actually as efficient. Uh, we are born to survive. That's why we can you know, look to take an easier route or we don't want to put that thing away or do that other thing because it's like, cost us energy to do that. But circling back to to spiraling and, and making mistakes and learning from mistakes, we have to do them. And this way our, our nervous system can be exposed to it so that we can survive. One um, example that I, re- I, that I use often with my clients, my physio and coaching clients is, you know, we warn our kids not to put their hands near a hot stove, not to get their little fingers caught in a drawer both my kids, like everyone will do that. <laughs> Every one of us has caught our fingers or toes caught. Every one of us has burned ourselves at some point in our lives. And our parents all told us not to. It's not like they, they forced us to burn our hands. <laughs> so I, I I mean, I hope not. But like we were all told these things, but just telling someone doesn't help prevent their burns and their falls and their things getting jammed. Yeah, so exactly. I feel like then we need to be able to support ourselves when that happens to us. Nailed it. And I feel like what you do is you create this space where you kind of draw attention to those needs of like, okay, what needs to happen for you to be able to do this? And like one thing that I remember from the first, like first or second mafia dinner, I think I had like a love seat then called hot seat, which is like a five minute for those who don't know, five minute, like you, you introduce yourself, you tell, tell people what you're, what's going on, what your questions are. And I don't even know what I said, but I remember saying something along the lines of like, oh yeah, like I struggle with like perfectionism and I, I can't remember what I said. And you said something and I don't even remember what you said. I'm really bad, as you can matter. say, with exact 
specificities. I would remember the feeling. And I was like, holy shit, that's exactly (laughs) what the problem is. And do you remember what it is that you said? No, I don't. Okay. So (laughs) this is what I think you said. I I will tell you. Um, I think you said something like perfectionism is not actually the problem. It's Oh, no. When you're a perfectionist, you're focusing on you Mm, instead of how you can actually help someone else. And as moms, like if if a lot of people who are listening to this are moms, like moms sometimes get into that perfectionism mode. I got to make my kid this perfect snack. I got to make them this – my house has to be perfect. And like that's not about your kid's happiness. That's not about even your happiness. It's about like your – I don't know socialization yes, of like yes. needing to be a certain way. Yes. Nailed it. And it's the same in business, right? It. It's like in order to be a successful business person, you have to do this X, Y, and Z. And I, when I started, was like, how many brown, like mm-hmm. short, you know, business people do I know? Like, you know, it's like um, I can count them in one hand maybe. Um, so it's like part of it is representation. And then part of it is like forget even representation is like, do you see yourself, your face you as somebody who yeah. can do that thing? That's huge. That is huge. It is absolutely huge. I think that one of the things that I grow in growing up and just being me, right? So growing up being gay, being female, being brown, you know, I'm so I'm black and Puerto Rican. And growing up, there I just didn't grow up around a lot of people that looked like me. Because you grew up in where? New Jersey? I grew up in Summit, New Jersey, yeah. And just like, you know, where we moved to, it was very like white town, which was fine. There's literally nothing wrong with that. Uh, But the town aside, just like society, like you just, just if you look at pure numbers, like what, black people make up 13% of the population, like there's just not as many people, right? Mm -hmm. So to see, to, to try and see someone who looked like maybe even what I wanted to look like, that just, it's just a numbers game. So... I think that I was actually fortunate in having that experience because I think you 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 get a fork in the road and you can either continue to look to you can excuse me you can either continue to try and look for someone who looks like you or you can just be like I'm gonna do it I'm be this the person that does this and perhaps if someone else is looking for someone who looks like them then they can see me all right and that was the, the path that I chose mainly because I was like the other option, just from a mathematical perspective, didn't seem <laughs> smart. I'm like, but I don't think that there are that many people. So I'm going to be looking forever and wasting time. I so. love how this was also – it's just such a like, logical decision, right? Like my decisions are usually made from a very like emotional, like almost impulsive standpoint. And like I know that about myself. So for me, it's like I awesome. really – force myself to kind of like pause to reflect because that allows space for like my true desires to come through, right? But I I laugh because my husband is like that, very like logical, like immediately. And I'm like, but like, okay, I know you're right, but let me, let me just figure it out myself and get there. Um, Dude, that, that right there, that was a, uh, a lesson in, so, you know, in, in coaching, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that it, it relates to parenting where you want this person to not suffer. You want this person to experience and realize all of their potential, but you want it on your timeline. And so you're like, mm. 
go faster. And so that's really been uh, something that I've been learning, you know, I've learned in working with people. And, and, and this is from physical therapy as well, right? Like you, mm-hmm. it's the best first career. Like I, I want you to move <laughs> faster. I want you to like not do that shit so that your knee doesn't hurt. But like you have to do it on your own timeline. You have to come to the point where you're like ready to do something different. And so in working with different types of clients, and that's why I said it takes all kinds. Like if, if the client I have is, you know, bases their uh, decisions from emotion, I will never, and I should never, and I can never wish them to change that, right? It just needs to be on their timeline. They have to do it in on their, I'm thinking of a specific client right now where she's doing things right now in business that I am certain I said to her over a year ago. <laughs> but she that is not her, right? That's not her timeline. That's not how she wants to – that's not how she can operate. It's not how she could operate. She's a very free spirit. And, you know, you can't – I couldn't – I wanted to rein it in and, like, have mm-hmm. her take that energy and, like, use it for this. But I'm like, that's not how she is. And she got to this place – going through her own journey and you know so much of that and I think about watching parents and like I've been parented right I'm not a parent but I've been parented and Mm -hmm. watching this and thinking about it and what you had said earlier like I wrote it down on my whiteboard here of space and time and just giving people the space and the time to experience the things that they have to experience in order to get where they want to go and from speaking to your mom too. Um, so for those of you who haven't heard episode number, I'm going off the top of my head. I think it's 16. I might be wrong. It could be 17. <laughs> um, but it's with Carmen Whitmore. Um, and she talked about just like accepting kids for who they are uh, and allowing them to make mistakes, right? And it's yeah. it's something that I didn't grow up like that. I didn't grow up with that type of parenting. And I think a lot of people didn't, right? It was like, don't make mistakes. Be this perfect child. You know, if you make mistakes, you're going to, you know, there's all these consequences and there's no time. And when you're a child and or in early business, I would equate that. um, It's the time to make those mistakes because you can learn so much from them. Totally. If you're trying to do everything perfectly and not take any risks and just, you know, go by the book, you'll pay for it later. Like, oh, I, you yeah. know, like I did at 32 when I had my child. You know, it's like I think parents sometimes you're trying to protect your own feelings, so you want your child oh. to not get hurt, right? It's all, you're making it again about you. And yeah, I would love for my children never to get hurt. Like, it just kills totally. me to think about that. But I'm like, I know this is good for you. I know this like frustration and crying and anger is like so needed right now. And just like you regulating yourself, like as the coach, as a parent. That right there. I think that's, that's, that's like the biggest thing that I've learned is just leading, leading by example. Like don't ask other people to do the things you want to do. Just demonstrate it. And when they want that thing, They'll emulate it. They'll do that in their own time. Like I, I really, I want to back up because you had said something. This is like a second ago, uh, and as soon as uh, James Olivia got kind of put into my ecosystem and, and got to follow their work, this all of this started to make so much sense. And one of the things that they talk about is consequences, right? And that's a word that you use, that there are so many consequences. And I want to clarify that because there will always be consequences. Consequences, if you actually go and 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 Google the definition, 
consequences aren't negative, right? It's just like the outcome of an event. Hmm. We put this negative connotation with it, like, oh, that's the consequence of your action. Like every action has consequence. It's just the outcome. It's the result of your action. What stops us from doing things, and actually this is awesome because someone sent me a DM yesterday. Uh, what stops us is actually punishment or fear of punishment. Mm. It's not the consequence. So punishment could be a consequence, but that's enacted by somebody else, right? right? So we live in a hugely punitive society. So in the United States, we live in a very litigious society. You get sued for just being, just being alive. You're gonna get sued, <laughs> you looked right? at me the wrong way. <laughs> it's literally it. You're like, oh my goodness. But we have this hugely punitive society and that punishment can come in the form of, you know, loss of friendship, loss of, of community, uh, loss of social status, any shame. of these things, right? Shame, right. exactly, right? You get shamed. So that is why we avoid doing things. So I got a, a DM from someone, uh, I think it was yesterday morning, all the days blend together, right? <laughs> and because uh, the weather is largely the same. So I got a DM from someone and she lives in Brazil right now. And her husband, I believe, is from Brazil. She is a white woman. She, I think she's from the States, right? Something like that. And she was, she made an Instagram, she made a video on, oh no, I think it was TikTok. Either way, she made a video that was just saying about how she was now in Brazil and had just always wondered like why people, Brazilians in this case, were better at sports. And I think there's also a physiological kind of difference there. But from this, from the societal perspective, she was like, I, I went to the beach and she's like, I saw perhaps in a bit of a it would have been an insight as to why this is. She was like, I was sitting at the beach and this woman, well, this man was skimboarding. This woman just walked over to him and asked him, can I try it? And she proceeded wow. to bust her ass and she was okay. In my mind, I was like, did she get hurt? But she was like, "He was totally <laughs> fine. That's what, right where my brain went to. Don't you not go fine. in the ocean? Dude, I saw <laughs> I, I skimboard. Like, this is the funny you? thing. So I've skimboarded since I was a kid. And so it was oh, like no the story because I sent her a video, but- I get to that. So she's the woman proceeded to try to skimboard. You don't have to go in the ocean for skimboarding. It's right on the it's right on the <laughs> sand, right? You don't actually go in. That's why I do it. And she busted her ass. And she was, but she was fine. She just like went on with her 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 life. And the woman was just like the woman who sent me the video, who made the video. She was in the video. She talks about how she would have never done that because she would have been so nervous about what other people would have said. Nothing to do with getting injured. And I was like, man, you're going to like break your wrist. That was not even a concern. Her concern was the punishment that made the social punishment that would come from it of right. someone's going to think I'm dumb, I'm whatever. And she's like, I never would have tried that. Whereas in Brazil, she's like, I watch these people just, they don't have that concern. They don't have that fear of punishment and this largely what we're worried about is loss of connection right loss of community and support and she's like i think that really has a lot to do with it and i was like i'm sure that does you know in addition to physiological things the differences but that is from what i see in terms of letting you know people being themselves and showing up it's that it's and how we how we coach people right consequences are they just are the outcome of any action any event it's the punishment that actually stops us. It's the fear of the punishment that actually stops us. So, you know, you had asked earlier, said earlier, like, you're not sure how I do it with getting, you know, helping people be confident and show up. It's because there's no punishment. Mm -hmm. the judgment inflicted at the end is like, awesome, there's support. 
and there's also like encouragement of like, okay, now you have to go post again because like it's a, to, it's tomorrow now. <laughs> it's like largely like with your kids, like I have to feed you again tomorrow. Yeah. And, the next day. and I feel like a big part of it is that consistency. Like your um, it like I don't want to say image, but like you, your aura, your mm-hmm. persona doesn't change. So people are mm-hmm. ex- like they know what to expect that, because yeah. I think that's the other thing is. That helps you feel safe, right? Because if it's someone new, like I'm very, I'm a skeptic. Like I don't trust people easily. Me too. And um, I'm just like that, right? And so it like takes me a while to kind of open up. People think I'm, people think that I trust them before I actually do because they, because I can be friendly. Nice. And I can put exactly. Because I'm nice, very right? Nice. Um, but I don't actually trust them for like a long time. And I think that uh, that's okay, right? Like yeah, that's okay. 100%. Um, and my daughter is like that. She has good, like she was born with, good. um, in Korean, my friend just told me that there's a word for it. And I'm like, why is there no English word for this? And it's called nunchi, N-U-N-C-H-E. And it's, it's almost like the emotional equivalent intelligence. It's like in your eyes, mm-hmm. you can see, mm-hmm. you can see things beyond a certain depth. Mm-hmm. I like it. I have that. My daughter's has that even to an extreme. Yeah, Literally awesome. the second she was born, she looked at me and I was like, holy shit, she that's knows me. Amazing. Like she she saw me for me. That was the first time someone's actually seen me for me and not with their own lens of expectations of huge. me. Huge. Right? Huge. And I think that that's a gift we can also give ourselves is like remove those layers of expectations huge. and just like see us for who we are right now. That's it. Um, and you, I feel like you do that is you're not, um, biased. I mean, I'm sure you have your thoughts and whatever feelings, like you said, like, oh, I feel like you can be ready now, but I feel like you also make the space for people to get to that point themselves, which, um, I've definitely learned from in my own coaching because you're so right about that is when people are ready, they're ready to work. Like the people in my programs who are ready to do it, they're amazing. They just fly through and they're just like mentally ready for that. Absolutely. Like that's, that's huge. Like when it comes to the business side of things and I I love that you said in the beginning of the podcast, because it's all, it's all the same because it's interacting with humans, whether we're parenting, coaching, doing business, playing the sport, whatever. It's interacting or as James Levy would say, relating with another human. And another point that you made earlier, uh, largely about the kind of when you spoke about the perfectionism thing is when we stop making things about ourselves, everything changes, right? Like I want, I do want it to be, I do want more you always. I always want more you. But when we're, when we're concerned with other people and relating with other people, it has to be about them. So as long, as soon as that interaction happens to me, it actually becomes much easier when we can just see people as they want to be seen, right? It's not about seeing people as I see you. It's like, and this is as simple as, and I think this was why it was so powerful for me that you took the time. Simply asking someone how to say their name. I want to see you as you want to be seen. Not how I want to see you, not how I want to say your name. It's such a simple thing of removing that and trusting yourself to just give other people autonomy, 
let them make their decisions. Let them do what they want to do. Like, you know, we, we had talked, spoke about this within, within kind of the context of parenting. And obviously there's different, different rules there, but guidelines, guide, guiding principles, I don't know what you want to call them. But when we're thinking about coaching, it's, it, to me, simply comes down to that of, can I trust myself to simply allow you to be how you are? That's it. And I'm going to ask you how you say your name. And I'm going to, if, yes, I do believe that that, um, that skill, that inherent trait that you have, that I have, that your daughter has, where you can just see people before having to really ask them, like there's definitely that. But if you personally, you listening to this, are like, I do not have that. Because some fine. people don't. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Have some self-awareness, number one. Number two, <laughs> just ask. Literally just ask. Just ask. That's why, you know, the the push for pronouns and such, using pronouns on the um, on Instagram bios is like really yeah. cool to me. Like, what does it take to ask, ask someone, how do you want to be seen? That is literally it. Extend them that courtesy is a game changer. Game changer. And I love that you <clears throat> pointed that out as well, is that sometimes you said this to me is, um, a f- I don't know, a few months ago, is that like you may not be ready to be seen at a certain time. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, going back to like a few months ago, I was interviewed yeah. by a friend um, on my ski team. I cross-country ski- skied in Bar- um, university and um, when it, like I loved it. I had the best teammates, but they all knew me by my wrong name. Like mm-hmm. it's my name, but the wrong pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. And when one of my friends has a podcast of her own, she interviewed me for it. And in my email, I have like a name pronunciation guide. And she's like, holy shit, I've been saying your name wrong for like, I don't even know, 15, 20. I don't even know how old I am. Um, a long time. Like almost 18 years, right? Wow. And so she like learned how to say it right. And I... I was kind of like, it's so interesting because I would say that I was myself around them. And I, f- I don't want people to think that totally. because they don't totally. know. that. Yeah. Like I still was myself. Totally. I just maybe wasn't my full or whole self. And a part of me that was me wasn't, uh, didn't feel safe to be seen. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I think that that is, I love that you see that word safety. Right. That is so, so important, especially as we're thinking about like growing and evolving one of the things I see people do and stop themselves from growing and evolving is they shame their past selves, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, yo, this was a safety mechanism that I learned and I needed to use then in order that I felt I needed to use and, and use utilize then to be safe, right? So I get that. We look different. If all of our friends are white or they just look different than us. Oh, yeah. They're, you know they were all white. Right? On the team. Yeah. I don't know. Any black people. I was literally team. the only person of color. Um, I was usually bottom five. But I started skiing at the age yeah. of 17. Exactly. Way later. Which is like when people started at three. They're retiring. Exactly. By that age, they're retired. Yeah. So I was like, hey, forever. I'm showing up here. Like, exactly. Yeah. Right? If If – if we think back to, to 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, at that time, you are not trying to stand out. Safety is in number. Safety is in acceptance. So there's no way you're going to be like, uh, but excuse me, that's not how you pronounce my name. You're just mm-hmm. like, you like me, you're kind to me. And you, like you said, you are not inherently trusting. But once someone has built your trust, you know that they're a good person, even if they're not saying your name right. You're like, yeah, but they're good. Like, I, I know they're okay. So it's okay. 
right? So at that age, that was safety. And so now, you know, we can be 35, 36, whatever age. And I see people, instead of just being like, yo, that's what I needed to do to survive then and feel safe. We're like, all this self-inflicted shame. And like, I was too weak to say something. Like, what? You were staying alive, ma'am. Congratulate yourself. And then if you are looking to grow and move forward, I think it's important to say to yourself, that was a strategy that I utilized then. I can utilize, I can learn a different strategy now because I am in a different place. I'm in a different environment. I have more experience behind me. I have confidence. I have more resources. And so now I can learn and adapt new, new, I don't want to call them coping mechanisms. That has such like a kind of negative pejorative mm -hmm. term, but like new ways to feel safe. That's all. So I totally get it. it. That was you then. And this is you now. That's it. And I will say this. I remember when I was when I first started therapy I was shaming myself and that's the first thing this therapist said she's like why are you holding on to that shame and I was like because I didn't even know me. I was <laughs> I, I, yeah like I didn't even know I was right so I think sometimes yeah. even just like naming it yeah. naming what it is and saying like are you ashamed of those past decisions and in parenting like there's oh, so God. much shame and guilt God. for repeating like mistakes that your parents made or like repeating patterns that you're like I didn't want to behave like this <laughs> person but I am now and I'm just like dysregulated and I feel like there's you can learn from the past but you can't be constantly shaming yourself yeah. because it will just hold you it will bring you back to where you were instead of letting you move forward that's it you can't do anything about it except for what you can do right now like I can't change that that stuff and the decisions I made, you know, there's definitely value in like, uh, so people, you know, you had said earlier about like people and misconceptions they may have about you and in terms of like being super trusting immediately. For me, the, you know, the thought is that I am like, yes, I'm super objective and rational, but I am like a highly sensitive person. I have a mm -hmm. lot of emotion. I just don't act from those or make decisions from that. So to that end, I think that there's so much value in still remembering how that thing made you feel and and learn because I think we can learn from that, right? So, you know, you had asked earlier or said earlier, do, do you remember what you said to me on that call? And you're like, I don't even really remember exactly, but I remember how you made me feel. Right? Like the, what is that? The Maya Angelou quote? But I'm not sure. I don't want to misquote that. See, I'm terrible with <laughs> that. I'm like, people, people won't remember. Will for, but people will forget what you said, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Right? Something along the lines of that. Yes. But I, yeah. I know. Quote. I know the quote, but I'm also right? bad at remembering the exact exactly. details. Exactly. So. Like, I remember what I felt from it. Yeah. Right. So I think there's definitely value when we're looking at past events and things that we've done, past actions, past decisions. And like, I'm not saying. And I know you're not saying to like push it down, deny it, never like make it, banish it. I'm not saying that. I think there's so much value in like, because you're still, you're going to remember it, you're going to feel it, but also not shaming yourself for that thing so that you can actually have the bandwidth, right? Because energy is is finite, it's limited, limited resource. We have the energy to to devote to the way that we want to be acting, the, the decisions we want to be making now. Now, and I like that you use the word strategies instead of like coping mechanisms too, yeah. because you're right. It's like, we, we shouldn't just cope, you know? Yeah, coping right? is like bear like we're just hanging in there and if you if you're in coping right now that's fine too because like third year of pandemic and oh my it's God, just it's nonsense but like one of my um <clears throat> clients was like just shaming herself for not exercising over the holidays and being out of and I'm I kind of said I'm like 
you know, similar conversation to what we're having. And she was like, oh, my gosh, like, thank you for saying that because, like, just giving her space where I'm not judging. Like, I I will never judge anyone for not doing their exercises or why would I? Like, that doesn't give me any – Anything, anything, right? Doesn't change anything. Um, but I like to f- the focus on like, okay, what strategies can we use now so that you it. can be more successful, it. right? It. Nailed it. Said, yeah. Um, and one of the uh, one of the other things. See, I should have made a note. And you know what? I the only note I made was <laughs> IG Live. Like, I love that you feel right now. Um, oh no, now I remember. So you you mentioned you're a highly sensitive person, and I I'm definitely a highly sensitive person <laughs> as well. And I feel like. A lot of people who don't know me think that I'm very confident and very calm. And if you actually know me, you're like, you're definitely not calm, although I'm working on it. Um, I'm calmer than I used to be. Um, And that's one thing I want to ask you because people on the outside see you as a very confident person. And you are, I would say, a very confident person. But sometimes labeling someone as like, you're the confident one, you're whatever, like can mean that, you know, that person doesn't have any other states, right? So mm-hmm. are there things that you're not confident about and, um, you know, feelings where you're like, I don't feel confident about that? I would say, uh, so I, I'm like being strategic here because part of me wants to, just wants to be like, no. But I know that if I just say <laughs> no right away, people will be like, ah, it's like very jarring to hear. So I'm like, let me give it a pause. And then let me explain. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I'm at a point where at this point in my life where I trust myself to handle literally any outcome. And so that's mm-hmm. where the confidence comes from, right? Confidence is not about like, do you have the confidence to do the thing? It's do you have the, do you trust yourself to handle the outcome? So like, if you're not confident in a jump, I, I really, I relate everything back to movement right mm-hmm. the, the movement maestro right? we've kind of dropped the word movement but that's where it all started but if we think about jumping right people who jump higher it's because their nervous system can trust them to be able to attenuate the forces of landing it's not because they have a superpower it's that they know that when they land they'll be safe right so one of the things you can do i could increase your vertical by one to two inches in just a few seconds by having you do a depth drop, right? Or a box drop. So I put you on top of a box and just let you step off of it and land. Mm -hmm. In doing that, your nervous system says, oh, she can attenuate these forces. Like her body's not going to break. So when you go to jump, you will get more height because it knows that you're safe. It it has diminishing returns, right? At some point. But what it comes down to is that the nervous system trusts you to be able to handle the outcome. You will never be able to run faster than you can decelerate. Because then you would hurt yourself, right? So if you like, I used to play soccer, right. do and I ran track, and you do overspeed drills, and so you'd have someone pull you, and that was the only way you could run faster because your nervous system will not allow you to generate that force because it knows you can't stop yourself, and it says you're going to get injured, you're going to die, right? <laughs> that's that's literally what what's happening. All of my ligaments are going to pop. That's Please it. Stop. Everything is just going to boop. You're going to turn. Into, I I <clears> going to turn into dust. So when we're looking to train. Right? And this ties back into making mistakes. Right? We're looking to communicate to the nervous system, convince the nervous system that it's safe to do these things with this gra- graduated exposure. And a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. And it says, okay, cool, you didn't die. Right? You now, we also have to have, like, from a physiological perspective, allow for your, your tissues to actually be able to handle those forces, right? To be able to actually grow and change and be able to handle that. So as that's happening, and then we're exposing ourselves to more and more force, the nervous system says, okay, you are, are safe to do this. For me, that's where I'm at with 
making decisions about life. I am still physically, I am not confident jumping. I'll give you that because I think I might actually, my knees will just explode. But when it comes to making business decisions, uh, interacting with people, I trust myself to handle the outcome of that. And that has just come with time and exposure, right? Like I taught for, so I was a physical therapist in a traditional setting for five years. From there, I went and opened up my own like kind of concierge uh, business, did that for three years. I taught for Rock Tape thousands of people. I've taught literally thousands upon thousands of people. I've traveled the world teaching. So the things that I say, the confidence with which I can show up is largely a, a byproduct of having gone through it and experienced the outcome. And I didn't die. All right. So in the, you know, I, I do remember when I was supposed to go teach in Dubai, I was nervous about that. And I was like, am I going to be accepted? Is this going to be like, right. what's going to happen? Like right. I, I was very nervous about that. And going back to it's, you weren't nervous about speaking. It yeah. was the, yep. like the punishment, right? Exactly. It's like, totally. you know, it's the con. It's not even the consequence. It's like, hmm, like what is the, yeah? How yes. are they going to perceive me? That. Am I going to be accepted? Yeah. That that one hundred percent. I was like, I know, I'm I'm fucking awesome at teaching. I taught by that time. I was well into my teaching career, but it was that hundred percent. And I had to go and experience that, and then be like, you know what? It was fine. I, would, I don't really want to go back. It was a really long flight and it was hot, but <laughs> it was fine. So things that I'm not confident at, I would definitely say it's more on the physical side of things. Right. Uh, and I've always been a bit nervous as a, as a human in terms of like, am I going to get hurt? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's always been, that is just in me and I'm okay with that. But I feel like that's it, part of, maybe I'm drawing a conclusion, but like, when you're highly sensitive to, you're more sensitive to those things yeah. in general. And I, so. I, I'm the same, although I'm an expert faller. Oh, that's good. I'm not. Um, because <laughs> of good. the experience <laughs> of how many times I've fallen. I have that's fallen the, that's all a over skill. the place. Dude, that and is a legit skill. a skill. It's that a is skill. legit a skill. There was someone on Instagram and that was their handle. And I like was trying to push them to, you know, you know I, I was encouraging <laughs> them. I was like, dude do this, run with it. Cause that was their thing was like teaching people how to fall. And I was like, the thing is, and if we're going to go on a little business tangent, uh, prevention does, it's, it's really tough to sell prevention. I know. Which right? is frustrating. Cause you're like, like you want to help. Yeah. Exactly. You want to stop them from having that mistake. So like, yeah. this podcast right here explains why it's very difficult to sell prevention. People mm-hmm. want performance. So, you know, within that demographic, you would have people that have already fallen and then you'd be teaching them, you know, how to become fall experts, but like there is so much value in that. Like that is that's how you're going to gain confidence. Well, because like, people once they've fallen, that dude, fear of after you've yeah injured yourself or fallen, yep, like that is what causes you. I remember we were going. Yep. So I cross country ski, and my husband's grown up downhill skiing, and he's like really really awesome. And so we we went out west one year to the Rockies in Canada, and he booked he booked the like ski resort. I didn't look into it because I trusted him. Should not have done that. There was like one easy run and the easy run there – and I live in Ontario where there's like no mountains. There's like bumps. And so the easy run there was like insane. And we get to the top and I am like in fear mode. Yeah. And there's this narrow tunnel in my eyes, in my head. It was like a balance beam. I had to ski across <laughs> in order to get to like the safety area. Meanwhile, it's actually like many feet Doesn't across. Matter. Doesn't matter. But in my brain, I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I remember – 
now I see my daughter doing similar like movements with her body when she's afraid. And I'm like, oh my God, she's like I've a mini me. Wow. Don't see my son doing that because he doesn't have that innately. Yeah. And people are different. They're yeah. born different. And I think 100%. part of like us thriving, going from that like surviving to thriving is, thriving is accepting like how we are. Dude, that, 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 that. I, I follow this account, um, Cooper Coil, I don't know, something like that. Uh, and they said, self-confidence starts with self-acceptance. Mm. And I was like, yes, that is literally it. So many times people just, they just want to wish away how they are. It circles back to what we were talking about earlier with the shame and like shaming our former yes. self. And they just want to like wish it away. And like, I just wish I wasn't so sensitive. I just wish I wasn't like this. Instead of being like, well, listen, this is what we got here. Let's move forward from this. Because typically, usually the answer to thriving is more of that, to be completely honest. It's the things we push away that actually we start to learn that's like from a business perspective, mm-hmm. that's what's going to set us apart, right? So, uh, you know, I spoke at um, Alice and Tenny's um, event last October. Yes, Ignited. And, uh, yeah, it Ignited. And, and Shirin was the, uh, the MC, and she brought this up. Just in terms of, she has, in my mind, this beautiful curly hair. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Just it does. is right. It's like it is. You it's, can't. It's gorgeous. Yeah. You can't not notice it. Yeah. But we all know that as a kid, the people like straight hair was the thing, and like you didn't want to yeah. stand out, right? And she was like, one of the things I learned in accepting this was that the things that set me apart, the things that actually people loved, was the things that I was, you know, perhaps most ashamed of and try to push back. And now, but the, the, the tangible thing for her was her hair. She was like, I used to yes. like, didn't want this. And this is like a hallmark thing for her now. Like her hair oh, yeah. is just like beautiful, gorgeous curls. And right? it's big and beautiful. It's big and beautiful. But like, and it makes sense. Like tying back to what you said about being 17, 18 years old and you didn't want to say your name differently because you didn't want to stand out. Like the reason that we all love her hair now is because we're all old, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we, we're good with our shit. And we're like, yeah. that's beautiful. 18-year-olds us probably wouldn't be like, that's amazing. Like, And 18-year-olds now probably still wouldn't because yeah. they're still in that stage. And, and like we're – our culture still that, has that. That right there. Yeah. That like, right there. That. We, we need to change that first if that. we want to – because like I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, oh, man, I don't want my kids to grow up with all this mm-hmm. shit and then they have to like go to therapy when they're older <laughs> and whatnot. And like I think in some ways we can mitigate some of that with parenting, yeah. but they're also going to be spending a ton of time outside of the home with other people who haven't done the work that we have. And so like part of it is being okay with the fact that they may feel hurt at times yeah. or – because yeah, I, I remember the yeah. time. I have curly hair. I mean, it's mm-hmm. doing yeah, nothing yeah. now, but I mean, it's, it's not like beautiful, gorgeous curls. It's wavy. It, it's really nice when it's nice. Um, and then other times it's just whatever. But I remember in grade seven, I didn't – so I grew up in India. My hair was curly there. I moved to Bahrain for two years, which is wow. um, beside uh, – wow. Saudi and Dubai, Dubai, and so it's like a desert. So my hair was like stick straight. It just, yeah. yeah. And then puberty I mean, hit. Yes. It curled, and I would comb my hair every day, brush it, and it was like a tent. curly hair. Yeah, that's that's because yeah. I didn't know because <laughs> totally. my mom didn't know. Yeah. 
And I remember going to school and my middle school, there was a lot, there was, it's pretty diverse. Like there was a, I remember there was this girl who's black and she's like, why is your hair like a tent? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. What are you talking about? She's like, do you brush your hair? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, stop doing that. And I'm like, oh, and like, I, I will never forget that. We were in the library in grade seven. And so like little things like that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. like you're gonna. We're all gonna have moments like that where we're like, "Shit, that was really embarrassing." <laughs> but like, you learn from that, right? And it's just, I feel like yes. when you're a Dude. teenager and and your parent, you're trying to save the teen all the embarrassment, and they're not they're not going to be saved. Everyone's going to be embarrassed about something or the other, and really? us trying to make our kids perfect is not going to help. That's what that's the other thing that I see that parallels in business and in parenting is like the appearance aspect of it is like people are trying to have the perfect feed. People are trying yeah. to have the perfect um, posts, right? And it doesn't leave space for like – people are going to pick on you for something. Mm-hmm. So like – They're going to find something. Yeah. So like instead of worrying about that, just worry about building resilience and confidence elsewhere, yeah. right? And like in, in who you are. That's huge. I mean, yeah, I get it. it's easier said than done, but you I know, know, I want to, I want to circle back because I really do think that I know it's it's both parents, but I I just got this soft spot for moms. So I also feel that society is way fucking harder on moms, which is why I'm like I'm gonna be louder about this because I think society just is a, a bag of dicks to to moms. So mm-hmm. I do think that moms can can help change this this narrative and how society is by not controlling what other people say. Cause like you said, the kids are going to say stuff, but building this resiliency, which you just, that's the word you just used building this resilience, resiliency in your kids by not punishing them for their mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I say not punishing, you nailed it before it's that they don't lose love and support because they did something. Right. That's what happens with people is that they, and that's what social media can be tough because you show up as yourself and then you lose followers. Right. And so you're like, I'm losing community by being made. The punishment of my actions is loss of safety. It's loss of community. I don't want to do this thing, which makes it really, really tough. I get it. Which is why I, I really want people to come into social media already having that sense of self, that sense, self, sense of agency, that sense of self-trust. Because they can handle that. They can draw from other areas and be like, yeah, but I have this in my life. This is okay. Like, I would rather be loved for who I am than, you know, supportive of who I'm not. I, I think about a mom right now who I had lunch with. I played volleyball with her. She's she's like, I want to say she, Ashley is like our age. She's like maybe 38. I don't know. Uh, but either way, she has this oh, son. She's, she's old then. I know, right? <laughs> we are ancient. She, uh, she has a son. and I, She has two kids. But her son is... Uh, both of the kids are great. Her son has this beautiful blonde curly hair and he's like a surfer dude. He's like, I don't know, man. The kid's probably like nine. He's a little. This guy, every time he's on, because she puts him on Instagram, it's okay with him. And this man always wearing a suit. And I'm like, you got him another really? jacket. He loves it. It's how he wants to show up. Wow. That right there to me is one of the best parenting things that I've seen of just letting supporting this kid and letting him show up like this and letting him know that how he does the things like he will be loved for them right that is to me huge and parents 
can give that, when parents can give that, that is a game changer because one, it gives kids like, you know, people the confidence to try their things. But I think then that's how kids show up. Like that, that girl that told you about your hair, she didn't say, I'm not going to be your friend. She was just like, homie, I think there's a better way. <laughs> right. It was like, you're making a, what I perceive to be a mistake, but I'm not going to not be your friend. I'm not going to punish you for that mistake. I'm just going to like throw my two pennies out there. Feel free to throw them right back. Right? There's a difference there. So like if we show up for our people that way, for ourselves that way, there's a chance that one, they have the confidence to deal with the bullshit that's out there, but then they show up for other people that way. And what you just said, show for ourselves that way too. Yeah. Because if we're not showing ourselves the love and the acceptance, I, I don't think that – I was thinking about this. I read this post on uncon unconditional love and whether it exists or not. And I don't – I was going to say everyone thinks you're going to love your kids unconditionally, but I don't think most parents actually do. Mm -hmm. I think they love their kids when they're well-behaved. They love mm -hmm. their kids when they're perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because they weren't showing shown love themselves uncondition unconditionally. So yeah. you, if you learn to show yourself love un unconditionally, even when you're angry, sad, you know, a mess or whatever, whatever your negative emotion, negative states are, when you learn to love yourself through it all, then you can learn to accept and love others through it all. Totally. Because I was thinking about this. I had a patient apologize for like crying during, during a session and like that doesn't bother me at all. Like I, I cry – fairly easily. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's great. Is, yeah. I think expressing emotion yeah. is fine. Um, but I think people are so used to feeling like I'm not allowed to cry. I'm not allowed to, yeah. um, be, yes. me, right? be. be my full self. And they're afraid of connection. And another thing that I read re or heard recently was I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast with Oprah and this might be old news, but you know, I catch up Once on things all the time. Um, Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry. And it was all about trauma and resilience. And the way out for people out of like hard situations or like from tough states is through relationships and connection. Mm -hmm. And so building connection and community with other people who are going through the same thing. You know, if you're if you're trying to get back into fitness, having a community around oh, you, yeah. if you're trying to build a business, if you're trying to parent in a similar way. Find other people who are because let me tell you, I am the outcast in my – in like I hate mom groups because I remember when I had my first, I was like, why is nobody like me? Like not even mm -hmm. in appearance but like in values. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's doing things the same status quo mm -hmm. and I just can't do that. Yeah. I'm going to do it my own way. And I feel like what's happened is social media has helped me connect with people who are similar. Attracting. Because they don't happen to be all in my community. Some 100%. are, and now they found me through social media. They haven't found me through like the yep. park. Yeah. And I think that is powerful. Oh, God, I love that because I got goosebumps. Like that to me is the power of social media. It's simply that you have more reach. And uh, I want to back it up to what you said. To me, it's not so much about finding those people. It's about attracting them. Because mm -hmm. you're going to go looking, but is not the same. And if you haven't identified, I love that you said values. If you haven't identified your values, you can end up finding people and you're like, well, that's kind of it. But like, or you or you find those people and you say, yeah, this will do, but the values aren't there. So that is super important to number one have. But when you have established those values and you live 
those values and you really lean into them, that is when you start attracting other people with those values. If we, if we circle it way back to what we spoke about earlier on the podcast, like when you don't see other people who look like you, you have two choices. You can keep looking or you can show up and be that person and attract other people. Right? There was a fork in the road that we tend to hit at some point in our lives, maybe multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I see with you is like you had hit that fork in the road. You had a kid and you're like looking for parenting. And so like, one, I could keep trying to go into these Facebook groups and try to find moms that are like me. Or I can be me, more me, show up on a platform where I have more reach and attract others like me. And it's been a freaking honor and a privilege watching you do that because I see it. I see it. Like, and know. I'm so grateful to have you in my corner because I, I really do think that for me having, you know, the power of belief, believing in yourself is I think the most powerful thing you can do, but having others believe in you Amen. until you can get there is, is so powerful. Yes. And I, like, I really feel, I feel for myself, I feel for everyone who didn't grow up with parents who believed in them yeah. because wouldn't that be amazing for everyone just right? to grow up innately with that state? Like how, how many problems could we solve by doing that? Right. Um, and especially I think women, I'm going to throw it out there, especially, especially women. Because you know that like there's so many people who like want better lives, but they're not doing the things to get them there because they're still believing that they that their role in the house is just this, this, and this. And it's Dead. it's so hard because if women are not willing to make the change, men aren't going to do it. Men aren't going to be like, hey, women, you should do the less of this. And this. like they're not. <laughs> you know, Let's they're just not. Born to survive, dude. We said it. Born mm-hmm. to survive. Like I'm not going to go and like give up my power. No. Give up my ease. That is not surviving. That is not – that is – that's making my life harder. So, no, most people are not going to go and do that. No. And it's, and it's, you know what, like for me, it's just, I used to hate telling people that like, oh, my husband cooks or this and that because I was immediately outcasted. Right? Because people- Punishment. You get the punishment of like, oh, well, you're not whining about your, you're not complaining about him. I guess you're not part of the group. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to be part of that group. That's it. Fuck that group. I don't want to be part of that group. Like, why would I want to? Like, it just gives me like so much anxiety being around those people. I remember I used to go to these mom groups and I'd come home and I'd come home angry and Tom would be like, why do you go? And I'm like, I'm so lonely by myself. But then I'd come home anxious and angry every single time. And I'm like, this is counterproductive. And I feel like for people who are at home right now with the pandemic, you don't have the option of in-person groups. Mm -hmm. So find that online community because it exists. Your people exist. That and what? when, like, anytime I hear people who are like, oh, my God, I feel so shamed. I'm like, by who? Because, like, I don't follow people who shame <laughs> me or accounts that Stop feel – I just – I'm like, oh, one post, two posts, nope. bye. You know, nope. I don't need nope. that in my life. Dude, you see it. You nailed it, though, before, right, with familiarity. Uh, you were speaking about me being consistent, and that creates familiarity. And, informa- and, and in familiarity, there's safety, even if that familiarity is shame. Mm. it's what we know wow it's what those people know it's safe so you know this as a physio right Mm. there are some people who are just not ready to get better no because it's their identity if i if we take away their pain we take away their identity we take away their community we take away their safety so they hold on to that because it's how they've gotten attention it's how they've gotten love it's how they've gotten support so even though we're like but that seems like 
this is actually hurting you. But they're like, it's still better than being alone. It's still better right. than having no one talk to me. I, this goes for anything, you know, going into these support groups or, you know, uh, these other groups where people are just bitching about things. It's familiar. It does take so much courage. Right? Give yourself huge props for doing this. It takes so much courage to step away from that. And I love what you said there because it's true and people won't necessarily believe it until they experience it because right? the nervous system doesn't know until it does it itself. But there are other people out there like you. Right. You said it. And it's it's so interesting to me because we do as a, as an American society, I'll say that we kind of like dance this narcissistic line of, you know, I am an empath and I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> but on the flip side, no one is like me. No one else has these problems. Right. And so we to me, there's a an incongruency there where one breath, I'm an empath, I feel I'm connected. And the other side, nobody is like me. Nobody would understand. Nobody has these problems. I want to respect and see people, you know, and, and, and uh, acknowledge these feelings, but there are other people out there with the same values. There are other people out there that are like you, that, that you will want to hang out with, that you will want to talk to, the thing that you may have to do is have the courage, the self-trust, the self-belief to take the first step and show up as that person and share yourself as that person so that you can attract those people. And that's something that I feel like really I learned through the Instagram intensive because it was forcing me week after week to continue, like you said, posts every day, like share my share myself. And I started to see that like, oh, it's just about being me it's it. and like just there's no secret me. you know yeah. um, and I enjoy it like I, yeah. I some people are like and you don't have to be an extrovert because I'm definitely not oh, one either actually social media is perfect for introverts it's the best thank you it's, it's the best you control it you're like I'm done I'm done with this I'm gonna turn it off exactly like I don't understand and people are like I'm so shy and also the people who are like their worst fear in life is public speaking I'm like, that is your worst fear of all things to be scared of. But hey, you know, social media is fantastic for that. And I do think that it's not going anywhere. And we are, we're very fortunate. First of all, anyone who's worked with you is very fortunate because you show us the fun side and the the connection side versus just like, I'm trying to be famous and go viral. It, like right? who so, are you going to connect with when you have it. a billion followers? It's like so, so interesting. Like I'm really sitting with people and being like, what is your goal? And I did that post the other day about that, you know, that if you want more eyes, you have to be willing to be seen, right? And let those eyes see you. People, mm -hmm. the people who have public speaking as their biggest fear, we go back, right? What's the actual fear? It's the punishment of, People being like, I don't like you. I don't like what you had to say. You are this way and I don't want to hang out. I'm going to make fun of you. That's what they're they're nervous about. And, you know, I, I understand we all are, have that as a concern for sure. Like, But you nailed it with social media can be so – it can be perfect for the right person because of the things you can control. Uh, one, because of the reps that it gives you and it really helps you, in my opinion, find yourself and, and understand yourself. But you get the reps, you get to attract people that, and even if, you know, 
even if it's one person. <laughs> it's like, true. That's great. The the feeling yeah. of that one person. It's interesting because people do talk about kind of like wanting to everyone there's like social media, the downside is that people kind of like want to be famous, like they they do, but they don't. And I'm like, just start off with one connection because when you get that person, it's amazing when you connect with that person that wasn't there before, that shares your values, that that sees you, that hears you, or is inspired by you. That's really the special stuff. That's really, really the the, the mojo, the magic, for sure. And what has been really cool is seeing because you don't get to see who's seeing you. Like you're, you're yeah. not like you don't know who's seeing you, but I will receive random. DMs like once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, and then they'll write this like essay of like how mm-hmm. I've helped them or like just they see me and I'm like, oh. holy crap, like you already know who I am because you let them I see just, you. I, yeah. And like it's really, it, it's really incredible mm-hmm. because working in clinic, I had to be someone else. Like mm-hmm. I worked in a very, it, it depends on the yeah. setting you work at. Totally. And, after I had kids, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. And you know, the the timing of the pandemic and the boom of social media and everything, it, it kind of worked out for me. And did I know this back then? No. And I'm just, I still feel like I'm getting started. But that's one question I had for you: is did you know? I guess when you started, when you started the movement maestro as an Instagram page, you were posting movement content. Yep. When you started switching to business content, did you have a vision or are you somebody who's like, I'm going with the flow? I'm going and like with see- the flow, 100%. So I made, I actually made the hard switch to business in 2020. It was just you recently. Did? So I was doing, you know, all movement education. Ta- so all my tactical posts were movement, but I've always had that like, live your best life undercurrent, be you, show up as you, do the thing. That's all since day one that's been there, right? Movement, it's always just been vehicles, right? Movement was the first vehicle, Instagram, second vehicle, business now is the third vehicle. And I think largely my pivot, my, excuse me, my platform will eventually become all just like do the thing content and like not talking so much about the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I need tangible vehicles that people understand and also that I can like articulate. So it's, it's both sides of that. So when I started when I started Instagram, I had no idea. I just wanted to connect with people and and share my ideas. I saw Kelly Starrett doing it. I saw Wad Duck doing it. And I was like, I could probably do this. And that, though, that confidence came from the fact that I was already – so this was 2014. So I was already four years into treating. And I was like, I am a good physical therapist. I'm a very good physical therapist. I understand movement. I know my shit. So I had the mm-hmm. confidence there. I wasn't like – Brand new. Yeah. I hadn't helped anyone. I'm like, but I know what I'm doing here. Right. And yeah, there's time with everyone's, everyone's timeline is different. Some people are more resistant to stepping into like their expertise than others. And there's like all the shame and things like that that surround it. But I was not hesitant with that. I was like, listen, I'm good at this. I know this. Let me go and and I'm going to share this and and connect with whoever I connect with. Uh, Making the pivot into business was largely that I just didn't want to talk about hip flexors anymore like I don't give a fuck about your hip flexors like I I don't care like all the content's still there it's still actually categorized and searchable but I'm like there's people out here who are way more passionate about it right go to them like I am passionate about helping you with this growth transformation whatever you want Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. regarding these things, not your hamstrings. Like I care about you and your hamstrings, but like someone else can help you with that. So the vision was largely that I just didn't want to talk about that anymore and knew that I could help people because I had also been doing business stuff just on the back end, things like that, or behind the scenes. So I was like, I know I can do this. And 2020, 2020 was an eye opener, I think, for everyone. It was like, yeah. do you want to do this? Do you want to keep living life the way that you are? We have yeah. a pause and you get a moment to stop and say, do I want to keep doing this? And I was like, but also no. Yeah. You get to choose, right? And when you say um, happiness is a choice, it's, I think some people would be like, yeah, that's awesome. And then other people may feel triggered by it, right? Oh, yeah. And they definitely do. They definitely do. Can you, can you talk about – can you talk about that? Yeah, 100%. So people – I think they interpret it as happiness is always an option, right? I didn't say that. I said it's a choice, meaning you have to choose it. Mm. So some people, and I got when I put that as a post, I got one pushback, and I had a conversation with this person in the DMs, and she referenced people who have chronic pain, and and it wasn't even her. I was like, mm. I'm I'm sorry if this is your experience. I was like, mm-hmm. but it is. You have to choose it. I didn't say that you always have it as a choice on the table or as an option, but it's a choice that you must make. And she was just like, are you saying that, you know, some people that have chronic pain, like they, they can't choose it. It's not an option. And I was like, I'm sorry if that's your experience. And she's like, oh, no, I choose happiness every day. And I was like, ma'am, why are you choosing what? violence right now? Like what? <laughs> what? I know people with chronic pain who exactly. are happy and exactly. choose to be happy. Exactly. Like one of my favorite clients of all time, she's older. Exactly. Totally. Like she's amazing. That's it. She, I was like, she owes uh, happiness because I, she's like, why wouldn't I? Exactly. So, you know, for me with that comment, mm-hmm. I was just like, I also don't feel, I want, I think it's extremely condescending to speak for somebody else besides myself to be like, right. they cannot, yeah. they, they cannot choose this. Right. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. And then she went into that and I was like, what? Uh, so when I say happiness is a choice, it is that you have, if you want it, you have to choose it right? You get to choose it. Sometimes it may not be on the table. Right? I, I don't want to say that it's always on the table because some people may feel that it's not on the table. But the fact that they're saying that means that it's a choice. Well, and I'm thinking about something like my daughter wanted this monkey blanket yesterday and we were fighting about it because it was like, no, this is the one you're using. And I was like, why am I choosing this to be difficult right now? Yeah. It's the end of the day. I'm tired. I want to go on my phone. Like, what's going to be the fastest way for me to get there? Have I lost this battle with her? Has she won? Like, we we have these, like, power struggles in our head. I'm like, give her the monkey brain. Like, Take the monkey whatever. Brain. Let it be easy. She's happy. We're happy. And, like, you can't do that all the time, I know, with kids. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Other, yeah. But, yes. like, I see what you mean because – for me, I, I don't necessarily use the word happiness. For my like, I, my word for the year is magnetic. And I'm like, what's going to make me feel magnetic in this situation right now? Like, wow. and t- usually it's like movement, get outside. Like, it's all the like mm-hmm. self care type things that make me feel magnetic and therefore happy. Yeah. And I love that you say that. And people in pain, people who are new moms, people who are, I think, even with mental health concerns, who are struggling right now, you can still find choose to find some that, happy moments that, that. that and the more of, more of those you pay attention to more of those you find you nailed it they add up you 
nailed it. I'm reading, so I, you know, I have the intensive starting today actually. And oh, uh, nice. I have people re- I, around 10, Exciting. I got people uh, reading the go-giver. And in that, uh, one of the quotes that he says is, I believe we get what we look for. Right? Mm-hmm. And someone wrote back to me, they're a friend of mine. They were just like, I've been looking for a million dollars everywhere. And I was like, you're saying we get what we want. That's different, mm. right? There's everything around us happening all the time. And it's what we choose to really, really, truly see and focus on because other things still exist. Like in my mind and in my opinion, this person who said that, I also know that she inherently focuses on the negative. Like she's a good friend of mine and a lover to death, but what she really sees is the negative and the downside of things. So it's not when I say, when you say that, when you say happiness is is a choice, when you say we get what we see, there's, there are always the caveats there but like you pointed out, it's what are we actually truly choosing to focus on, right? Not just the things that we want. What are we truly, truly internalizing, focusing on? And and that tends to be the things that we that become, you know, magnetic, that we continue right. to attract. 100%. And like for those of you listening who are like, but I'm not an optimist. Neither am I. Like I will happily first come to the conclusions of like the negative yeah, stuff. Go ahead. Which means I have to choose. I really do have That's to it. choose to pay attention to the good stuff. That you nailed it. There's yes. an um there's an Indian proverb and it's like where the needle grow where the needle goes, the thread follows. So it's like, where oh, are you pointing yeah. your needle? Like are you Look pointing your needle to all the like the shitstorm, or are you pointing at that? And you can. Like sometimes I'm like, I just need a moment to like live in this. Is but it, I know I give myself time and a deadline and then I'm gonna come back out. I love that. But and so yeah. if you're that person who's like, I just need to like vent, do all that stuff, great. But then where are you pointing that needle? Right. And that. it's like because that thread is gonna follow through. And love, I see people, love, love that. especially moms, like moms have had it hard over the past two years. Mm-hmm. The hardest. The hardest. the hardest and the hardest and it's um it's i and especially like we know that there's single moms and we know that there's moms who have less privilege and many kids and you know kids with special there's so many situations and it's i think systemically or like as a society we need to step up for each other as well um because i think we we can't all just like put it on that person or each person but also individually what do we have under control over is like our focus and our attention and you know i 100 you'll see like my place is a mess and i just don't care because and i used to care i used to really care about that stuff but i just stopped focusing on it totally because society said if you don't you're not a good mom and you're not part of our cool club and all this other bullshit that i'm really stoked that you have said you know what that actually doesn't matter to me so I'm going to focus on these other things. I'm taking my needle and my thread and going in that direction. And whoever wants to join, you're welcome to join. Come on. It's a party. Um, okay. Let's move on to our final thoughts because I have some questions yeah. about you, even though this entire conversation has been questions totally. for you. But I want to know about um, what are some things that you do for yourself, for self-care? My so, whole life, dude. I'm going to say things. My whole life. If you want specifics, you know, I am like, we said self-care a little bit earlier and I was like, I didn't cringe, but I'm just like, we, we've put a name on it, but it's just like, 
what if it was just, that's just how you lived life and it didn't have to go in this box of like, it's self-care. I think it right now needs to kind of go in a box and be identified, Mm -hmm. but like ultimately I love for things to just be integrated. Like, do men have self-care or is it just like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, self-care, but they they don't. I know what you mean. I'm like, I think that their whole life, like maybe like if we go to traditional society, like watching sports on the weekend, I don't know if someone would say that like that's self-care, but like women have had to like label it as this because they need to outline it so they can actually make sure that they do it. My goal would be that it just becomes a part of life. Like how I live my life is self-care. Everything I do contributes to the the quality of my life. I wake up when I want. I live in SoCal. I love it here. I drive a Jeep with the top off because I love it. It makes me happy. I buy a lot of technology. I'm sitting here talking to this mic with this boom arm here because that makes me happy. I spent, I invested a lot of money into my home gym because I got to take care of these, you know, this dust Those bones guns. that I have. <laughs> the guns and the dust bones, right? Like, so for me, it is, everything I do and I get it. I'm in a different situation than other people. Cause I don't have to think about like keeping other lives alive mm-hmm. besides Rupert, but that was a conscious decision. I was like, I don't want kids. I never have wanted them. So for me, everything is self care. And I, I really want to kind of harp on that because I kind of feel like that word self care, I think it's hyphenated is it's sliding towards it's sliding towards selfishness in terms of like how society is viewing it. Like, I think it's, I worry that it's going to become a negative and like, oh, self-care, like is good right now. But I always worry because there's a backlash and society hates women. So I kind of worry. Yeah. And I think self-care also is like a massage or a bath or like things that aren't like, they're great, but like they're not the actual daily things that you need to do that will, like for me, it's like movement making my hot chocolate or my smoothie. Like it's like simple stuff that I'm like, this is a part of my day and it makes me happy. But I also think that many people don't even think about it. They don't even think about what makes them happy. Which is why it needs a name now. It needs a name. And whatever name it's – is used. I know what you mean because I already see it coming up. It's like, oh my god, like you, you're asking moms to do self care, but they don't have time. But I'm like, it's just life. It's staying just alive. Staying alive. Like, what is going to help you stay alive and thrive, or it's like even it. just stay alive longer? Maybe like because just, that's the other thing. I want to be around for my kids when they're older. I don't want to be like, like I want to be fit and active. Like, so what do I have to do now to make sure when I'm older, I am fit and active and fun and like you know not sitting in and we can't control our future but still you know what i mean like the daily decision so i love that you say that i think you anyone who knows you knows that you are you embody all of the things that you say you embody it and i think that anyone just needs to like follow you for a little while to almost feel like i can do that for myself too like it's this is like that borrowed permission almost you don't need anyone else's permission but sometimes seeing other people do it allows you 100%. to do it too and sometimes you need it you know you don't need it need it but if you find that you need it i'm here to offer it there you go <laughs> there you go and tell me you mentioned the go giver do you have a favorite book i'm not a big reader i'm not going to lie folks mainly because books just be saying the same shit like the, the whole middle part is just like, here's 11 billion examples of the point I was trying to make. And I was like, listen, you wrote a book. I believe you. You don't have to convince me. Uh, but that would be the book. That's like, it's just, it's a very basic story. And like, it, there's. I laugh you know, because I, I have it sitting here on my shelf just, that I haven't opened. Good. Because 
I buy a lot of books. And yeah, I got to say, most of these behind me I haven't read, but <laughs> you know, it's a quick one. It's an easy one. And because it is fictional, like you can kind of change, you can take the lessons away and then just make up a different story mm-hmm. around it. And what's your favorite podcast? I mean, my own. Obviously, so my own. I don't listen. To, don't, really, don't really listen to podcasts uh, that much. Uh, story around the story there. Just because you don't listen to podcasts doesn't mean that you shouldn't start one. Because um, mm-hmm. I love, I love having one. Uh, but actually, I listen to Eat, Train, Prosper. It is a podcast by Brian Borstein and Aaron Straker, and it's about exercise. And you know why I like it is because it will make me feel less alone in terms of the mm-hmm. fact that I get obsessed with things and it's really nice to hear other people who are obsessed with the things that they're doing. So sometimes like, I, I like the concepts too and like the, what they're actually talking about, but it is the overarching theme of like, here are, the, here are other people who are obsessed. Like this is their life. And that makes me feel less alone. There you go. I um, never listened to podcasts until I heard yours and I love it. But I'm always behind because I realize that I don't naturally listen to podcasts. Like I don't, I don't have. Yeah, it's not that totally. I don't have time, but like I think when I do have time to listen to stuff, I'd rather listen to silence. Yeah, totally. because I'm like surrounded by noise all day. So, um, but I love. I still love podcasts, and when I do listen to your podcast, I like Brene Brown's podcast. Like it, you're right. It makes you feel less alone. It makes you feel seen, and that's what's powerful. Um. Yeah. What are what's something that you're currently passionate about? The most passionate about right now? Uh, I would say, and I actually have to run in like one minute. I'm looking at the clock, but it's got to get away from me. Uh, but I am currently most passionate about how I'm showing up for people and supporting people, just in helping them step into themselves. And yeah, I use Instagram as the vehicle, but the coaching and that I all the coaching that I get to do, uh, and really just helping people show up as they want as themselves it's wild that people pay me to do that and i'm still working through that and accepting that that i'm like i'm taking money to help you be yourself but like i'm wildly passionate about that wow and you're amazing at it so thank you what is do you feel what do you feel is your biggest strength that's my last question seeing people you nailed it earlier you said it earlier and i think it's a gift and you've got nunchi yeah, there you go. Now I, now I have a word. Is uh, my my biggest gift, my greatest gift, my biggest strength would be nunchi. I don't um, even know how if that's how you pronounce it. I'm not feel bad. We'll I will figure it out. it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> but thank you so much, Shante, for spending this time with me today. I love this whole conversation, this and great. you are an amazing person. And I can't wait to um, continue to learn from you and see all of the amazing things that you do. This was amazing. The fact that it went this long and just was so easy. Like, again, then one, thank you for bringing me on. You listen to you listeners. Thank you for listening. If you made it through this whole thing and to you, just thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey. It has been truly just incredible watching you grow. So to infinity and beyond, my friend. (laughs) Thank you so much. And Shante clearly does a way better wrap-up of a podcast than I do because I like suck at doing all that other stuff. I'm still working on it, but thank you. Um, For anyone listening to this, please share this episode with a friend who would love listening to it as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.